another chapter in the history of electronic radio communications begins. Coming up on this week's show, we have beers from O'Hara's, the White Hack, 8 Degrees, and Heaney. This is Ireland. This box of beer was delivered on St. Patrick's Day last year. The 17th of March 2020 I've had this box since. I introduced Paul to Beer 52 on this one, and he quite enjoyed the beers out of this box, so I'm looking forward to enjoying the beers out of this box as well. And as a bonus, I ordered an additional three beers. Three of the extra ones that didn't come in my box, as I get the mixed box, the lights box, a darks box, and a mixed box. I get the mixed box, I got another three of the lights that weren't included in my box. If you remember a little while ago, I brought you a review of Brewdog Barnard Castle Eyesight Test. Well, I bought that beer from a company called Honest Brew, and I had to throw in a load more beers to make up a decent beer order to get something from them. So there was an Irish beer in that selection as well, so we've got that one as well at the end of our final week. So there's 12 beers over three weeks from Ireland. For St Patrick's Day, I thought I'd do a three-week special for St Patrick's Day. So as we're back to the Beer 52 boxes, we're back to the Ferment magazine. This comes from Ferment magazine number 50. What does B-52's Richard Crowsdale have to say on Ireland? Editor's note. We celebrate a beautiful milestone this month. Ferment's 50th issue. We celebrated by drinking a ton of great beer, though since that's what we do every month anyway, you'd be forgiven for not spotting it. This month's Beer 52 box comes from the Island of Ireland. So that's basically all you need out of the editor's note. The Island of Ireland. Written by Richard Crowsdale. Beer across the island of Ireland has come a long way in a very short time, producing some of Europe's best craft breweries and a market full of thirsty and adventurous beer lovers. This has been against some tough circumstances on both sides of the border, with somewhat archaic licensing laws making it tricky or impossible to sell directly to drinkers. Though this is lessened now somewhat in the Republic of Ireland, perhaps even more pressing though is the strength of pubs' ties to giant drinks companies, particularly Heineken and the ubiquitous Guinness, owned by Diego which makes it very tricky to establish permanent craft beer lines. In Northern Ireland, Boundary Brewing founder Matthew explained to me that this homogeny began during the Troubles, when banks refused the risk of lending to pubs, and drinks companies stepped in with ready cash in exchange for restrictive 50-year contracts. Although these contracts are now coming up for renewal, most landlords sign back on without question, and truly independent pubs, such as Belfast Sunflower, are a rarity. It isn't all bad news for brewers, though. Adversity has created a craft community with a real sense of cohesion. They're all close friends and mutually supportive of each other's efforts. Not being able to rely on their domestic market also makes them unusually outward-looking. Even the smallest brewers have a good handle on export and are prolific international collaborators, travelling the world to increase their knowledge and spread the word about Irish beer. Given Ireland's distilling heritage, it's unsurprising that barrel-aging is a big feature of many breweries' lineup. Indeed, 
Many have their own cob pot still tucked away in the corner of the brew house, turning out some excellent gins, whiskies, and even rums. But there's also a full spectrum of styles to be found here, from wild fermented sours to juicy US style IPAs, as good as you'll find anywhere else in the world. We're excited you can join us on our Irish adventure. As we're in Ireland and the repeat of this show goes out on St Patrick's Day, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to play you some music from some famous Irish bands. And we're going to start with a hard rock band who formed in Dublin in 1969. Founding members, drummer Bill Downey and bass guitarist and lead vocalist Phil Linnett met while at school. They recorded 12 studio albums and released singles such as Whiskey in the Jar, The Boys Are Back in Town and Waiting for an Alibi. They are, of course, Thin Lizzy. And this song seems appropriate for what's coming up later in the show. This is Whiskey in the Jar. We're all wave. Now, here comes the music. Whiskey in the Jar is on. We just came from Kerry yesterday, you know. The Cork and Kerry Mountains. The only reason we can't play whiskey in the jazz is because Scott doesn't know it. And Snowy doesn't know it. But Midge over here, he knows it.
worship Some men like to follow Some men like to hear A cannonball and rolling Me, I like sleeping Especially in my mother's chamber Will the devil take that woman? For here I am in a bowl and chain But you ain't gonna do them a That was a live version of Whiskey in the Jar, taken from Thin Lizzy's 1980 album Chinatown. Now there's an interesting story behind Whiskey in the Jar, because it's a traditional Irish ballad, and the band recorded it as a mess around in the studio, never intended to do anything with it. And then their manager heard it, and he really liked it, and he released it through the band's record label without telling the band. Now as the story goes... Apparently Fiddle Dinner was absolutely livid when he found out that this had been released as a single. Because it was just a mess around in the studio. It hadn't been anything official. It hadn't been anything done properly. And it went on to be probably their most well-known song. And, as you've just heard, they did play it live. So Fiddle Dinner obviously came around to the idea of the song eventually. And I just felt that that was an appropriate song, as said in the intro there, and you'll find out in a few of the articles. Some of the breweries make their own spirits and whiskies as well as beer. Online and on the app. World Wave. Number one for variety. O'Hara's. Written by Beer 52's Katie Mather. Drinking beer in Ireland means spending time under the spectre of the famous black stuff. And that's something we can't skirt around. However... If you're in Ireland and fancy a stout, any good local should, and will, kindly but firmly push you towards the point of O'Hara's before too long. A friend once spent a good half hour telling me the virtues of its Irish stout, brewed in truly classic style, and up there with some of the best beers in the world. And who was I to argue? It's roasty, full-bodied, and dry. Everything I love in a stout. While retaining that coffee licorice whip at the end. It's bang on style, which makes sense given the brewery's focus on traditional beers, alongside new and more experimental styles. 
O'Hara's is brewed in the traditional molten hot rich lands of the Barrow Valley in County Carlow, in southeastern Ireland, around 65 miles south of Dublin. There's been brewing here since the 1700s, and it's where most of the raw ingredients for Ireland's historic breweries came from, shipping by canal and river across the island. Taking the historic backdrop of Carlow to heart, the Carlow Brewing Company, O'Hara's other name, opened in the mid-1990s. The aim was to bring back some of the local brewing glories the area was still proud of, and to work with the many microbreweries that were sprouting up all over the country, to drag the brewing scene of Ireland into modernity. Now, O'Hara's is busy creating beers that celebrate the past, and excited to look forward to the future. Harry Kennedy, export manager for the brewery, says there are many inspirations for each beer they create. There's a lot of influences at play that feed into how we make our beers, he explained. Across the team, ideas come from travel experiences, tasting beers of all kinds from all over the world, and keeping an eye on trends too. But I've always believed you have to be a fan of the styles you brew, so personal taste plays a big part. On top of this, Irish drinking culture plays a role in finding the right styles and flavours too. As a guiding principle, we like our beers to be flavoursome, but still well balanced and sessionable, to suit the Irish beer and pub culture. I think Ireland's brewing heritage is a really important foundation for what we do, and it continues to be a personal inspiration to me too. We love to take inspiration from international styles and trends, but as an Irish brewery, I think our heritage beers are what can set us apart, and there's so much more to be explored in that direction. Our Irish Stout, Irish Red and Irish Pale Ale really are the cornerstone of our business, and make up a much higher proportion of all the beers we make. Our craft beer range is mainly for drinkers here in Ireland, because they know us. They trust us to make beers they'll enjoy. You're listening to Wirral Wave. Wirral Wave. According to Harry, there's no arguments between old and new, despite a pull towards tradition. I think we'd rather have the best of both worlds. Rather than being boxers one or the other, I think part of being a craft brewery is the scope to take traditional influences into a modern interpretation. In reality, it's all connected. We love doing both. A great example of modern O'Hara beer is its newly released White Haze IPA. Part of their craft beer evolution range, it brings juice hop character and haze to the fore using Citra, Amarillo and Mosaic for all those important tropical fruity vibes. Inspiration for White Haze was definitely from tasting lots of great beers recently that had lots of juicy hop flavours but a low bitterness. We brewed our own interpretation but made sure it's well balanced and sessionable as well. That's the priority here. It's been well received so far. Another example of the brewery finding inspiration all around them is their Irish Whip Beer, which was created with the sole purpose of pairing perfectly with a chaser of Irish whisky. We worked with Tullamore Dew and other whisky companies quite a lot in the past, and the idea just came to us one day. This particular beer was a one-off collaboration with Tully to design a beer that paired well with their whisky. We brewed the beer to purposefully pick up some of the flavours and aromas from the whisky, hence the wit direction, and the toast from the barrels. I think it worked great as a pairing. From their perspective, the Irish brewing scene is enjoying a fair bit of experimentation. Being part of an established traditional brewery with the freedom to experiment Seems like it's quite a fun position to be in. We try to keep the balance with core beer focus and complement this with limited releases. A lot of innovation comes out of our brew pub, Urban Brewing, which is a 5 hectolitre brew kit placed right in the centre of Kilkenny City. So, if you're looking for a taste of modern Irish beer, it's probably a sound suggestion to head to Kilkenny and try O'Hara's beers on a timeline from traditional to modern day. Using heritage recipes and local ingredients, whether in a classic recipe or something completely new, is what they're best at. And honestly, that's exactly why they're so well loved. I've had three beers from O'Hara's previously. 
I had the Lublin to Dublin foreign exports out, which was a collaboration with Poland's Brevar Pinter, at Warsaw Beer Festival in 2016, and I had the O'Hara's Irish Stout at Barcelona Beer Festival on St. Patrick's Day 2018 and 2019. So let's see what beer from O'Hara's came in this box. 5% description for this on untapped, says, and I've got it preloaded tonight. Yay! A fruit-forward hazy IPA that pours yellow-gold in colour and is explosively aromatic. A soft, smooth mouthfeel is followed by refreshing tropical fruit flavours in addition to Citra, Amarillo and Mosaic hops. Got my beer for two, so I've got two glasses for this one tonight. Let's get it out into my glass and see what I think of it. Comes with a 330ml bottle, or a 33 centilitre bottle. Plain black bottle cap. Alright, here we go. Three, two, one. It's not going to come off. Oh wow, that smells, yeah, fruity, banana-y, I get hit by that as soon as I open. There's no smoke, but I've got hit by the nose. O'Hara's are from Carlo, which is about 20 miles south of Dublin in, in Leinster. So there we have it. It's a quite clean, dark golden colour, next to no head. It's got a foamy film of white head on the top. Mmm, smells interesting. Smells of tropical fruit and banana. Well, banana is a topical fruit, isn't it? Smells of topical fruit. That's fruit that is topical. So I'll make of this. Cheers, guys. Mmm, mmm, oh that's not bad, mmm that's quite nice, quite bitter for a white IPA. Mmm, that's quite weird because it's sort of sweet to begin with and then bitter on the back end. That's not bad that. Strange but yeah quite nice, quite nice. So sweet and juicy at the front, bitter on the back end. I'll give that a 3.7 out of 5. That's not bad, that. Not bad at all. Wouldn't know that was 5% particularly. Get a hold of this, give it a go. We're on wave. Enough chatter. Music starts now.
That was, of course, the brilliant U2. U2 are an Irish rock band from Dublin, formed in 1976. The group consists of Bono, lead vocals and rhythm guitar, The Edge, lead guitar, keyboards and backing vocals, Adam Clayton, bass guitar, and Larry Mullen Jr., drums and percussion. Initially rooted in post-punk, U2's musical style has evolved throughout their career, yet maintained an anthemic quality built on Bono's expressive vocals and The Edge's charming effects-based guitar sounds. Their lyrics, often embellished by spiritual imagery, focus on personal and socio-political themes. Popular for their live performances, the group have staged several ambitious and elaborate tours over their career. The band was formed when the members were teenage pupils at Temple Mount Comprehensive School in Dublin and had limited musical proficiency. Within four years, they'd been signed by Island Records and released their debut album, Boy, in 1980. Just out of curiosity, I've always been curious as to what Bono and the Edge's real names are. Here we go. So Bono is Paul Hewson and the Edge is David Evans. There you go. You learned that at the same time I did. Unless obviously a U2 fan, you already knew that. And a few years ago, I went to Dublin with my mate for his birthday. We had four, four or five days in Dublin. There's a funny story behind the travel there that I'll relate to you another time. But my mate is a big U2 fan. It's actually, uh, I'll tell you who it is. It's Darren Leader from Absent, who I've played you previously. And we went to Dublin for his birthday. And there was four, five of us? Four of us. Four of us. There was me, Simon, Darren, and Darren's then girlfriend. And we walked around Dublin, and Darren took us to over to this place. Really just nondescript set of industrial units. And Darren said, I'm so honoured to be stood here. This is YouTube's secret recording studio. And given how much of a U2 fan he is, I didn't doubt him. Put a little anecdote there for you. I actually went off U2 for a long time. I liked the stuff of Joshua Tree and Rattle and Hum. I didn't mind what came off Acting Baby. But when they got to Zoo TV, when they released The Fly in 1991, it was one of the most annoying singles I had ever heard in my life. And it put me off them for a long, long time. And honestly, it put me off them for 13 years. It put me off them until I heard Vertigo in 2004. I really loved it. I bought the single. I didn't listen to them between Zoo TV and How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, which was one, two, three, four, five, six. Six albums. Listen to We're All Wave. They can't touch you for it. We're All Wave. My second beer up comes from a brewery I brought you just a few weeks ago. I talked about this out of my Beer 52 Sod Festival Christmas box and I enjoyed their Beer Festival beer back in June. This is a brewery I was introduced to on the 17th of March 2017 on St Patrick's Day at Brewdog in Sheffield. I had been in Sheffield and had two days in Sheffield. I'd been to the Cibber Conference. The Cibber AGM when it was in Sheffield had had a beer festival attached to it and various events around the city. And Brewdog Sheffield were having an Irish tap takeover and one of the Irish breweries was the White Hag and I tried a beer called, I can't even pronounce this, this is very Irish, apologies, Bran and Skeulan Irish IPA, S-C-E-O-L-A-N, Skeulan. This was my introduction to this brewery called White Hag. Then more than a year later, on the 5th of May 18, I had their White Sow Oatmeal Chocolate Milk Stout at the Smith Down Road Festival in Liverpool. Anyway, let's see what Beer 52 had to say on the White Hag Brewery. They're from 
County Sligo in Ireland from Ballymote, which is just outside Sligo. This is quite literally behind Ballymote train station. It's about a two minute walk. The White Hag. We love working with Ireland's White Hag, and not only because they happen to brew phenomenal beers. Founded by the gloriously named Bob Coggins in 2014, the White Hag is led by Joe Cairns, formerly of Ohio's Hopping Frog. I've got a few beers from Hopping Frog. They're probably a bit out of date now because I bought them from 23 Club, but they're very strong. Together they're a veritable powerhouse of creativity and have grown White Hag into a powerhouse of progress in the Irish craft beer scene. Back in 2014 you had this holy trinity of red ales, pale ales and stouts. All at 4.2% ABV, because Joe. When we launched we had seven beers, including an imperial oatmeal stout at 10.2%. That was the strongest beer in Ireland at the time, but we had nothing under 5%. Our IPA at 7.2% was probably the most accessible beer we had. From there we also created the Fledder, a sour which uses heather instead of hops. Ooh, so it's a group beer. Nice. Which is a signature beer, and the set piece. Today the brewery is still known for its big beers and lovable flavours, including its extensive and cautiously adored barrel aging programme. But it's also moved the times, and ventured into lower strength beers as well. It's also very closely associated with its annual Hopstravaganza Beer Festival, which has become a must-tend event for craft beer enthusiasts from across Ireland and beyond, with thousands of attendees and some top draw breweries descending on the sleepy town of Sligo. And the winner of the best dessert stout was the Dark Druid. This was a salted caramel, chocolate and orange pastry stout. What the judges say? Dessert stouts always divide opinions, even amongst dark beer fans. But well done, they're absolutely sublime. And it's no surprise that the White Hag would have nailed it. This salted caramel offering is the first of the Dark Druid series of sessionable dessert stroke pastry stouts. And for us, it hits the perfect balance. Creamy, comforting and Moorish, without becoming heavy, cloying and gimmicky. That's what they thought of it. Let's see what I thought hey of guys, it. Hey guys, welcome back. Wow, it's uh, 20 past nine. That was a bit longer than I expected. Okay, I have for you tonight, out of my Beer to Ireland box, this box arrived on St Patrick's Day last year. And you can tell how popular this beer was, because this is the White Hags, the Dark Druid Salted Paramel Pastry Stout. Which I reviewed about a month ago out of my Beer 2 Awards book. However, what it says on the back has changed in the last year. So I'll read you what it says off the back of this can. On the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, the dark druid would cut the mistletoe that grew on the oak tree and give it as a blessing. Oaks were seen as sacred, and the fruit of mistletoe was a symbol of life in the dark winter months. We present to you our handcrafted winter lifeline, where sweet, decadent and luxurious meet Atlantic sea salt, infused with rich caramel, also known as dessert in a can. So there we are, that's what that one said. I believe the other one said something very slightly different. It's 5.5%, comes with a 330ml can. It has yellow wavy lines on a red background. It's got a black rim and a black key tab. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Whoa! Shit! Look at that, that's lively. Wow, I cracked that and it just spurted everywhere. Look at that foam, wow. That is just completely foamy. Oh shit, look at that. That has one and a half fingers of beer. One, two, three finger foamy tan head. Mmm, smells amazing though. And I've barely cracked the can. All that came out and I haven't even opened the key tab yet. Got to get a top down photo of that. 
It's all over my finger and I can't use my fingerprint. Okay, that is settling slowly. Look. Well, let's crack the rest of this camo. <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting it to do that. Okay, that'll do. That's got a one, two, three and a half finger foamy white head. Cheers guys, that's settled to a one, one and a half finger foamy white head. Got my Beer 52 Simefest 4 glass because I thought this came out of my Christmas box, but it didn't. It came out of my Beer 52 water box. Mmm, smells good. I can't see what I thought of it last time because I don't appear to have checked it in. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, I like that. Mmm. Nice, thick, sweet, creamy. A little bit of bitter chocolateiness on the back end. That is really nice. I'm giving that a 4 out of 5. That is really good. Really nice. Really into it, that. Yeah. Very good. Especially for something that was delivered almost a year ago. Like the song I ended with last week, our next band up are a little interesting. They're an Irish indie rock band formed in Scotland. Yep. The band consists of Gary Lightbody, Nathan Connolly, Paul Wilson, Johnny Quinn and Johnny McDade. The band was founded at Dundee University in 1994 by Gary Lightbody, Mark McCulland and Michael Morrison. And they called themselves Shrug. In 1996 they changed their name to Polar Bear because there was already an American band called Shrug. Shortly after, drummer Michael Morrison left the band after suffering a breakdown and returned to Northern Ireland. In mid-1997, Polar Bear released a three-track EP, Starfighter Pilot, on Electric Honey Records. Following the departure of Michael Morrison, they recruited Johnny Quinn in 1997. The band was renamed again to Snow Patrol in 1997, again with a naming conflict with another band, this time fronted by Jane's Addiction ex-bassist Eric Avery. In 1997, Snow Patrol was signed by Jeepster Records. The band currently consists of Gary Lightbody, Nathan Connolly, Paul Wilson, Johnny Quinn and Johnny McDade. Nathan Connolly joined Snow Patrol in 2002 after their major label album debut Final Straw, releasing the single Run the following year, making it the album's major hit and the band rose to national fame. The album has been certified five times platinum in the UK, meaning it's sold in excess of 1.5 million units. Their next studio album, Eyes Open, brought them the hit single Chasing Cars, which was the most widely played song of the 21st century on UK radio, and propelled the band to greater international fame. And it was also the UK's biggest selling song of 2006. I've played you Chasing Cars before, there's an interesting story behind it that I won't go into right now. Eyes Open took the UK album chart, and was the best selling British album of that year. During the course of their career, they have won seven Meteor Irish Music Awards, been nominated for six Brits and one Grammy. Between them, Final Straw, Eyes Open and their fifth album, A Hundred Million Sons, have sold over 10 million copies worldwide. In the early years, the band played gigs at Dundee University and pubs around, such as Lucifer's Mill. Their first EP was titled The Yogurt vs. Yogurt Debate. Whirlwave Web Radio I've picked for you this week a rarely played Snow Patrol song. It was the third single off their album, Final Straw which was actually the first Snow Patrol album I bought. It was released on the 12th of April 2004. The track was written by all four members of the band, with the lyrics written by vocalist Gary Lightbody. The single version was very slightly different to the album version, so I may have to pull the single version for you sometime, but this is the album version. The song has been featured in the film trailer for The Last Kiss and in the Torchwood episode Cyberwoman.
It's called chocolate. We're on wave. Enough chatter. Music starts now. Our next Irish band is an Irish family band that combines pop and rock with traditional Irish music. They are Andrea on vocals and ukulele, Sharon on violin, guitar, piano and backing vocals, Caroline on drums, percussion, piano, bodran and vocals, and Jim on guitar, piano, keyboards and vocals. They're from Duldalk in County Louth. They are The Cause. They were active from 1990 to 2006 and then they took a nine-year hiatus and have been active again since 2015. The cause have released seven studio albums and numerous singles which have achieved platinum status in many countries and have sold over 40 million albums worldwide. Talk on Corners, their most successful album to date, reached multi-platinum status in Australia and in the UK it was the highest-selling album of 1998. 
The band is only one of a handful of acts to have held the top two positions simultaneously in the UK Albums Charts, with Talk on Corners at number one and Forgiven Not Forgotten at number two. The latter being the third highest selling album in Australia in 1996. Their third studio album, In Blue, went to number one in 17 countries. When Caroline and Andrew were still at school, Jim and Sharon began playing as a duo, often at McManus's, a pub owned by their aunt. In 1990, Jim and Sharon added their younger siblings to the band to form a quartet. Their career took off in 1991 when they auditioned for the film The Commitments. Jim, Sharon and Caroline had small parts as musicians, while Andrea had a speaking part as Sharon Rabbit. John Hughes noticed them when they auditioned for the film and agreed to become their manager. Jason Flom, head of A&R for Atlantic Records, recommended they meet David Foster, a Canadian music producer, arranger and composer. They played live for Foster and he agreed to sign them to Atlantic Records. They extended their stay in the US for over five months to record their debut album, Forgiven Not Forgotten. It featured six instrumental sections amongst its Celtic-influenced tracks. The Cool's second album, 1997's Talk on Corners, was produced by Glenn Ballard, who was respected for his collaboration with Alanis Morissette. The band recorded a version of Dreams for a Fleetwood Mac tribute album. They re-released Talk on Corners with new mixes of What Can I Do, So Young and Runaway. The special edition topped the charts worldwide and again went multi-platinum in the UK and Australia. In 2006, the band went on an extended hiatus to pursue solo careers and raise families. Andrew's first solo album, Ten Feet High, was released on the 25th of June 2007. It had u Bono as its executive producer. In 2015, Andrea announced that the cause were performing at Hyde Park on the 13th of November and were in the process of making a new record. On the 17th of September 2015, the band confirmed their sixth studio album, White Light, which was released on the 27th of November that year, and accompanied by a European tour which took place in 2016. When asked to describe their musical genre, Caroline Kaur said it was a blend of modern rhythms and technology with acoustic instruments, violin, tin whistle, drums, and of course, voices. The marrying of these instruments is our sound. The Coors music is typically categorised as a mixture of pop rock and folk rock. This is evident in their first two albums. As with our Cats in Space song later in the show, this song tells you to do exactly what you're doing right now. It's called Radio. Wirral Wave. Best of the 80s, 90s and now.
I've surprised myself with my next piece of Irish music. The song is by a young man named Niall Horan. He's a former member of the band One Direction, who were formed in 2010 on the television singing contest The X Factor. Following the band's hiatus in 2016, Horan signed a record deal as a solo artist with Capitol Records. His debut album Flickr was released in 2017 and reached number one in Ireland and the US and the top three in Australia and the UK. His second studio album, Heartbreak Weather, was released in March of 2020 and debuted at number four in the US and number one in the UK, Ireland and Mexico. This is the opening track to his debut album Flickr. It's called On The Loose. We bring you all kinds of music because that's the way you like it.
My penultimate beer this week comes from 8 Degrees Brewing, about 33 miles or 54 kilometres north of Cork in the Republic of Ireland. An award-winning Irish microbrewery renowned for its innovation and experimentation. 8 Degrees was established at the foot of the majestic Gulti Mountains by Kiwi Scott and Aussie Cam, who were lured to Ireland by two Irish Callans. The crew at 8 Degrees Brewing are passionate about producing exciting and adventurous beers using only natural ingredients. Salant, which I'm going to assume is the Gaelic for cheers. Meet our founders. Our founders have achieved something special. Yes, they do make exciting and adventurous beers using only natural ingredients, but, even more remarkable than that, they are unique examples of a Kiwi and Aussie working together in semi-harmony. Well, apart from the odd sporting difference. Both Kiwi Scott and Aussie Cam learned how to make full-flavoured beers as homebrewers and then studied how to make these beers consistently at Versus und Lachernstelt für Brauerei VLB, in Berlin. Meet our brewery. In late 2018, 8 Degrees completed an ambitious brewery expansion in Michaelstown, installing a state-of-the-art 60-hectolitre Casper Schultz brew house to facilitate their constant drive to deliver the best quality beer in Ireland. The brewery also offers 8 Degrees tremendous scope to rapidly expand domestic and international sales, with the largest craft brewery production facility in the country. This beer from 8 Degrees Brewing was Bohemian Pilsner Lager. This is an orthodox lager with a subtle biscuity malt base, balanced with a noble hot bitterness and spicy aroma. Our soft Michaelstown water, flowing from Ireland's highest inland mountains, is uniquely suited to brewing this crisp and adventurous lager. Treated aperitif with popcorn, amazing with pizza, and don't miss the chance to try it with Thai food. Perfect for a chilled out session. It's won two awards. It's won bronze at Blasnaharan. Sorry. My Irish is awful. Blasnaheran. Blasnaheran. That might be best beer in Ireland or something. And the best Czech style Pilsner in Ireland at the 2018 World Beer Awards. That's what I've been trying to figure out on when, when I'm reading off the can. So Czech style Pilsner contains Hallowslow, Hellbrooker and Lublin hops. It's 4% ABV. It should appear gold with a white head. Have floral aromas with a hint of pepper. The taste should be light on the palate, clean and delicate, but with plenty of sophisticated flavour. There's enough bitterness to make it interesting, and a little peppery from the spicy hops. The aftertaste should be light on the palate with a snappy bitter aftertaste. Very sessionable. This beer is perfect with pizza, working brilliantly with the tomato sauce and cutting through all that melted cheese. The snappy bitterness is a delightful counterpoint to the sweetness of shellfish. Try it as an aperitif, served in champagne flutes with a half dozen Irish oysters, or even have a glass with some savoury home-popped popcorn. Tonight I have a beer from 8 Degrees Brewing in Ireland. And I haven't looked it up on the tap again. This is their Bohemian Pilsner. Coming in at 4%. So just waiting for untapped to load. 8 Degrees Brewing are from Michaelstown in Munster. Bohemians are creative dreamers who defy convention. A Bohemian Pilsner is just that. An unorthodox lager with a complex biscuity malt. Soft rounded bitterness and twist of spice from the noble Sars and Halatau hops. This crisp and adventurous drop is perfect for a chilled out session. Bliss. So there we go, so it's a Czech style Pilsner, brewed in Ireland. Orange and yellow and red. Right, let's get this out into my glass, I've been nattering on long enough. Got my beer for two slugfest two glass tonight. Here we go. Three, two, one. <clears throat> Hope it's not like that one I had last night. <laughs> that just went everywhere when I did that. Not a little bit comes out, but 
Not too bad. Right, there it is. This is a clean, clear golden colour. You can see all the bubbles running up it. All the bubbles, all the bubbles as well running up it. It's got a two finger foamy white head. Oh yeah, you can smell the wholesale hops in there. That's got a really grapey smell to it. White grape. Cheers guys. Let's see what I think of this. Mmm, that's not, not bad. Mmm. It's not as nice as the stout I had last week. Not too sure on that one. It's okay. A little bit dry on the back end for me. A little bit white grapey. Fresh and fruity. I'm going to give that 3.3 out of 5. Not bad, but not my favourite beer. Then again, pills and lagers are a little hit or miss with me. We're all wave. Best of the 80s, 90s and now. On the 4th of July, 1806, we set sail from the sweet cove of Cork. We were sailing away with a cargo of bricks for the Grand City Hall in New York. Twas a wonderful craft she would rake for the lap. You know how the wild wind drove her. She stood several blasts. She had 27 masts and they called her the Irish Rover. We had one million bikes of the best lawyer rights. We had two million barrels of stone. We had three Sides of our blind horses' hides, we had four million barrels of bones. We had five million hogs, six million ducks, seven million barrels of parts, sir. We had eight million piles of old nanny ghost tiles, and a whole of the Irish Rover. There was Al Mickey Coot, who played hard on his flute when the ladies lined up for the set. He was too skill for each sparkling quadrille till the dancers were fluter and bet with his smart witty talk he was cock of the walk as he rolled the dame under and over they all knew the dance when he took up his stance and he sailed in the
I couldn't have a show with Bands from Ireland without playing you a bit of the Pogues. That was the Irish Rover. We're all wave. Web radio. Our final beer this week comes from Heaney. Digging with beer. Beer 52 Siobhan Hewison meets the Northern Irish Brewery that's making brewing poetry. The family farm in Bellagy County Derry, that was previously home to the late poet Seamus Heaney, and inspired him endlessly, is now also home to an on-site microbe. Heaney was set up by Malcolm McKay and his wife Suzanne, the niece of Seamus Heaney. In early 2019, after Mal had been working for several years at Boundary Brewing, it's still a working farm, and Seamus's brother Hugh still lives and farms there, following the farming legacy of their father, Patrick Heaney. So preserving its history is important to Mal. He hopes to bring attention to the farm in a new way, using produce from the land and bring the local community together through the brewery. We took a plot of land between the farmhouse and the farm and built a brewery from scratch, which was quite a stressful process, dealing with planners, contractors and raising finances. It's a source of income for when Mal and Suzanne eventually take on full responsibility for the farm, but also a great way to utilise the land's very own spring water. As well, whatever crops can be harvested into the farm can be added into the beers. When Heaney Farmhouse Brewery first opened, it had a small portfolio of beers, brewed and perfected at Boundary. Mal described his time there as stressful and full-on, but valuable and rewarding, and said it was the best education he could have had in brewing. Funnily enough, he'd never intended to work at Boundary, and it all happened by chance. He was a musician who'd been working at a large musical instrument store, but had quit to focus on his home brewing. He'd had an idea for a brewery in the back of his mind, and went to chat about it with Matthew Dick at Boundary. While there, he picked up a shovel to dig out the mash tun, and just helped out, and ended up staying at Boundary for three years. He worked on all kinds of beer styles, from parallels to mixed fermentation beers, to barrel-aid saisons. And in December of 2016, the first Heaney Brewery beer was released. Heaney's core range is very strong, including a pale ale, a red ale, a blonde ale, and an Irish stout, all of which have been finely tuned over the last few years to firmly captivate the local market. Mal comments that there is nothing wrong with impeccably made session strength ales like Irish Red and Irish Stout. I believe in affordable goatee beers as well as highly hopped IPAs and big pastry stouts. This is something we can all agree on. In Northern Ireland, a market saturated by macro lager and a certain drink known only as the black stuff, it's great to see a small brewery putting so much emphasis on the staple beers that it makes well. That's not to say Heaney Brewery doesn't experiment with more modern beer styles. Mal explains that the brewery's first nine months saw some special recipes developed, including West Coast IPAs, hazy, heavily hopped juicy numbers, and a rosemary IPA, a collaboration with Yellow Belly Brewery from Wexford in the Republic of Ireland, robust porters, and yes, some pastry stouts. This is a big accomplishment for such a small team, and as Mal puts it, I work at and deal with pretty much the entire operation. It truly is a lifestyle right now, not just a job. His wife Suzanne helps out with admin when she isn't working in her full-time job and he has two other part-time colleagues. I have some part-time help with brewing and packaging from Aiden. She's from California 
and have some valuable brewing experience in the US. And Stephen runs events and tastings for our friends and customers. But mostly it's just me and the sheep, chickens and random visiting tourists looking for Seamus Heaney's old house. The coming year is all about brewing beers, of course, but also showcasing them whenever possible. Heaney Brewery is going to take part in Jubilate, a beer festival hosted by Boundary to celebrate its fifth birthday. Mal is pleased to be involved in this, since Boundary has done some great work raising the profile of Northern Irish beer. It's also a chance for him to pour his beers alongside the likes of Verdant, Dyer, Cloudwater, Finback, Other Half and Mikola. The brewery has big plans for the future, including exporting beer overseas as soon as possible, which will enable it to finance adding more capacity to the brewery, and hopefully a tap room, restaurant and artist exhibition space on site. Mal comments, We're obviously very proud of the history of our farm, and I'm pleased to have it at the site of Heaney Brewery, which is our personal focus. We realise that Chambers Heaney fans will want to share in that history too though, and we hope to be able to one day welcome visitors who are fans of poetry and Irish literature, as well as beer. Watch this space. Heaney Farmhouse Brewery is certainly going to make big waves in the up-and-coming world of Northern Irish craft beer. And this was the Heaney Irish Stout. I have my final Irish beer for you tonight, for the moment. Well, out of this box is Heaney Irish Stout, 4.3%. Farmhouse beer brewed in Ireland. This one's from Northern Ireland. For generations, our family farm has been a place of harvest and inspiration. Our beers for rough for the graft, ritual thirst quenchers, brewed and bottled at Heaney Farmhouse Brewery at the Wood, Bellagie, County Derry, Northern Ireland. This has a use by of 10th of March 2021. See what Untapped has to say on it. Aroma of coffee and dark chocolate precedes a surprisingly rich body, ending in a classic dry roasted malt finish. It comes in a 330 or bottle. As I wish for bottles, I've got my Dehyde Brewery as bottle opener. So it's a black bottle. Black bottle, a black bottle with a black label and a black bottle cap. Completely black this one. Right, let's get this cap off and see what I think of this. I've got my very few side so press three glass for this one. Three, two, one. <coughs> Missed the glass. <laughs> Mop that up in a minute. Right, that pours completely opaque black. A few bubbles running up it. No head at all on that, not even any foam. Mmm, smells good. Cheers guys, let's get this down me and see what I think. Mmm, oh that's quite nice. I don't do night dryer steps, so that's nice, I like that one. Mmm, it's got a nice sweetness, nice bitterness, not too bad. It's 4.3, it's quite heavy for a 4.3. Mmm, oh god, I like that, yeah. I like the roasty taste on the back. Mmm, that's good. I'm going to give that a 3.8 out of 5, that is nice. Yeah, don't mind that one. Good Irish stout, that. Good traditional Irish stout. I don't normally like dry stouts, but that's not too dry. That's just about right for me for a dry Irish stout. Yeah, very nice. We're all wave. Listen in. We're different. So as we've just had a beer from the Heaney Brewery, 
based on the farm where Seamus Heaney grew up, I thought we'd end with a couple of Seamus Heaney poems. For those of you who don't know, I'm a big poetry fan, I'm a poet myself. I actually got involved in this through poetry because I knew Paul through different poetry groups. So that's how I got involved with We Were A Wave. So we'll end with a couple of poems from Seamus Heaney. This one's called Strange Fruit. Here is the girl's head like an exhumed gourd. Oval face, prune-skinned, prune-stones for teeth. They unswaddled the wet fern from her hair and made an exhibition of its coil. Let the air at her leathery beauty. Patch of tallow, perishable treasure. Her broken nose is dark as a turf clod. Her eye holes blank as pools of old workings. Diodorus Siculus confessed his gradual ease with the likes of this. Murdered, forgotten, nameless, terrible. Beheaded girl, outstaring axe. And beatification, outstaring what had begun to feel like reverence. We're a wave, your local community station with a difference. This one's called Docker. There, in the corner, staring at his drink. The cap dutes like a gantry's crossbeam. Cowling painted forehead and sledgehead jaw. Speech is clamped in his lips' voice. Oh yes, that kind of thing could start again. The only Roman collar he tolerates smiles around his sleek pint of porter. Mosaic imperatives bang home like rivets. God is a foreman with certain definite views, who orders life in shifts of work and leisure. A factory horn will blare the resurrection. He sits, strong and blunt like a Celtic cross, clearly used to the silence and an armchair. Tonight the wife and children will be quiet, at slammed door and smokers cough in the hall. We bring you all kinds of music, because that's the way you like it. We're all way. We're done with the Irish bands now. We've just got time for our album of the month. And this month it comes from a band called Cats in Space. They build themselves as the most original classic rock band since the 1970s. Cats in Space have caused quite a stir since landing in 2015. With their unique sounds they will transport you back to the days of 1970s classic rock. Thick loud guitars, walls of soaring multi-tracked vocal harmonies, grandiose pianos and huge singable choruses. It's perfect. Touring with the legendary rock giants Deep Purple, Status Quo and Thunder, playing UK arenas, plus Hyde Park with Phil Collins and Blondie, the Cats have gained an ever-growing army of faithful fans, gaining incredible live interviews along the way. From humble beginnings to Hammersmith Odeon, Hyde Park and the London O2 Arena, it's just part of an amazing journey for the Cats so far. They've released two critically acclaimed albums, Too Many Gods in 2015 and Scarecrow in 2017 which made the UK National Top 30 chart and was voted in the Top 10 in the Planet Rock Album Review of 2017. Reviews worldwide were nothing short of astounding. Breathtaking, as one reviewer put it. A storming live album, Cats Alive, in 2018, was then released to document the magnificent live performance the band delivered at the Cardiff Motorpoint Arena, thus cementing the Cats as forerunners in the UK rock scene. So, in 2019, they invited you to join them on a day trip to Narnia, an album crammed with even more outrageousness than all their predecessors combined. Crammed with incredible artwork and extras, it's special. Very. A huge, epic long player features singles Thunder in the Night and Johnny Rocket. Plus, soon-to-be power-pop classics like Hologram Man, and featuring the acoustic power ballad Chasing Diamonds, with vocals reaching out to the stars. At the centre of Narnia, you see the conceptual 27-minute epic that is The Story of Johnny Rocket. Six songs making up a space-travelling masterpiece, turning from rock to disco to heart-wrenching balladry in one flight. A bold, huge musical move that only these cats can pull off in this day and age of musical blandness. 2019 featured the spring headline tour, The Tour of Narnia Part 1. 
The band went on to play the London Palladium, host three sold-out Acoustic Cat VIP evenings, and onwards for Christmas in Narnia Part 2 tour, with dates in the UK and Germany culminating in an EP featuring a Christmas radio single. My Kind of Christmas was a cheeky, warmed-heart 1970s tingle load to Christmas, with a supporting Dickensian-style video filmed in Wales Cathedral. CIS called in their production team, including all the necessary supporting actors, as well as many Cat fans who eagerly signed up to appear in the authentic top-of-the-pop scenes filmed at Bath University Film Studios. The year 2020 has arrived. The saddest year on the planet with COVID-19. The Cats decided to boldly go forth and help bring much-needed musical relief. They battened down the starship hatches and submerged to explore the depth of the ocean, hoping to find inspiration for their eagerly anticipated winter release, Atlantis, the fourth studio album by Cats in Space. It's a vinyl journey that will leave you breathless, so strap yourselves in as we take you out of this world. And March's album of the month is Atlantis. Let's see what Cats in Space have to offer. This is the latest single release off Atlantis. It's what you're doing right now. It's what I recommend you keep doing. It's cool to listen to the radio. We're on wave. Enough chatter. Music starts now. Said we gotta hold on tight, stand shoulder to shoulder, nothing we can't fight. Through troubled times, if we do what's right, let's rock this planet of ours and unite and listen to the
get in contact with us here at the Beer Show couldn't be simpler. You can email beershow at wirralwave.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at www.beershow. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Beer Show and Wirral Wave. And you can find Wirral Wave on social media by searching Wirral Wave Radio. That's it for another Beer Show. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's content and today's music. Stay safe and I'll catch you soon. The Beer Show is produced by Darkside Media Productions for Wirral Wave Radio.